Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host. Let's go there and have a good day, all right, buddy. Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. 11.03 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. And welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening, as always. As it, it's, it's actually spring-like this weekend. It's weird. You know, spring actually happening. It, it was, what, it felt like July last week. It was gorgeous. I mean, I'm not complaining. I, the heat didn't bother me. It was, it was fantastic. I had a great Monday sitting outside getting sunburned. And it was, you know, almost 90 degrees. But this this is this weekend, at least Saturday and so far today here on Sunday, although I think we might get some rain later. It's, it's actually felt like spring. It's been a nice, comfortable weekend. And I just I just want to appreciate that because, it, it you know, last weekend, again, gorgeous, but it felt like July and not late, late May. What a weird month May was, by the way. It started with, what, snow and then finished up as the, the warmest May on record for Buffalo. That's just uh, crazy. But... That's the world we live in. <laughs> it's the area we live in where there's, you know, four seasons in a week sometimes or definitely four seasons in a month. We had that during the month of May as we closed the month of May last weekend in the racing world, of course, with the Indianapolis 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. And what a great day of racing that was, too, last Sunday with Will Power finally breaking through for his first win in Indianapolis 500 and Kyle Busch checking off the final track on his list of cup tracks to win at he has now won at all of them if you don't count the roval at charlotte which is coming up in october uh he but every track the nascar cup series runs a points race on kyle bush has now won at them all after winning last sunday night in the coca-cola 600 for his fourth win of the year and the harvick uh, kb show continues here in the 2018 season for the nascar cup series with those two drivers now combining to win nine out of the first uh, what is it 13 races of the season halfway through the regular season two guys have won the majority of the races but a great day of racing, and we're going to talk about it with you here at 803-0551-888-550-2550. If you have thoughts on either the Indianapolis 500 last week, the Coke 600, or if you're already moving on to this week. I mean, IndyCar, they they have their doubleheader weekend, of course, in Detroit with race one of the books yesterday. Scott Dixon picking up the win. They've got race two coming up today. It's pouring in Detroit this morning as they try and get qualifying going. Uh, and, or if you want to talk NASCAR, Pocono this weekend, and we're going to have the race right here on WGR coming up this afternoon, and one of the voices you'll hear on the broadcast will be Woody Kane of the Motor Racing Network, and Woody is going to join us uh, live from Pocono in about a half hour here on the program, so look forward to that, uh, talking to Woody Kane, but phone lines are wide open this first segment, and plenty on the table to talk about, again, 803 550-2550. You can also send us a tweet at Fast Track 550. That's at Fast Track 550. Or uh, talk to us on Facebook, too. Facebook.com slash WGR Fast Track. As, again, Will Power 
finally. And by the way, I called it not that I was not that I was going real out there with my picks yesterday, but I said at the end of the show last week, Will Power, Kyle Bush were going to win. Called it. How about that? I know. Didn't take a stretch of the imagination to pick those two guys. I know. I'm just kidding, but just saying. I called it. Uh, Power getting the win in the 500 over at Carpenter, who started on the pole and finished second. Scott Dixon rounding out the podium. And Alexander Rossi, who started 32nd. What a day that young man had. And uh, it was a, it was a tough day last Sunday. It was so hot in Indianapolis. It was hotter. I mean, it was hot here. It was almost 90. It was over 90 in Indianapolis, and that made for some very tough conditions, as we saw with the numerous crashes in the race on Sunday. Between that and the new aero package, these cars were a handful for the drivers, and uh, several incidents knocking out, including some favorites, including you know Tony Kanaan, Elio Castro-Neves, Sebastian Bourdais, Danica Patrick, Takuma Sato, all crashing out of the race on Sunday, but... Rossi trying to buck the trend. He was fearless last Sunday. You saw the, the the highlight reels been all over. It was on during the broadcast, but it was I've seen it repeated on Twitter all week long. Just Rossi showing no fear, going to the outside to make passes, and uh, he was going for broke last Sunday in the Indianapolis 500, trying to get that second win in the event. And Rossi just an unbelievable run, and, and I tell you what, the the kid is a star. The, he sh- he should be the the face of the series right now because he's a phenomenal talent, and he is just coming into his own now. I mean, the the Indy 500 win a couple of years ago was maybe a fluke thing on fuel strategy, but since then he has just gone from kid who just happened to wind up an Indy car ride to uh, he should be one of the the faces of the series. Uh, with what he's he's got three wins now to his credit. He's leading the points after the race at Detroit yesterday, and uh, what a run he had coming from 32nd to 4th. Uh, great run for Alexander Rossi, and uh, definitely showing some no fear on a, a day when a lot of guys did want to take a lot of chances. You didn't see as much of the... Uh, Passing for the lead, and it was a little more single file than maybe some of the more recent Indianapolis 500s, but still, uh, still quite the race. Um, but Rossi uh, was showing no fear out there. He finished fourth. Ryan Hunter Ray round out the top five, and then your rest of your top ten. You had Pagano, Carlos Munoz, Joseph Newgarden, eighth, Robert Wickens, rookie of the year, uh, salvaging a, a decent finish for a rough month for Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, ninth, and then Graham Rahal finishing in tenth. Other uh, notable names: Marco Andretti placing twelfth. Uh, and then, yeah, you had some of the guys that wrecked Kanan 25th, Castro Neves 27th, Borde 28th, Danica 30th, Takuma Sato 32nd after winning last year. So uh, it was definitely a mixed bag of results for some of the favorites, but uh, handling was the name of the game. And, uh, I mean, despite all of that and maybe the subdued, not maybe subdued, but just some of the lack of the guys willing to maybe make some passes that we might have seen happen in the last couple of years. We still got that late lead change with inside five laps to go. Another year of a lead change with inside five laps to go at the Indianapolis 500, keeping the streak going from, my, what did I say last week, like 2010, 2011. It's been every year since then. And uh, this one came down to fuel strategy as there was, uh, despite all the cautions in the in the midsection of the race, uh you know, a late, a late, the late race restart, and a couple of guys trying to stretch fuel in Oriel Servia and Stefan Wilson. And I was sitting there at home, and I'm like, "Geez, all the, all the, uh, you know, despite all the domination through most of the race from the Carpenters, and uh, you know, the the Will Powers, despite them leading much of the first half of the race, this is going to maybe come down to one of those can you believe it type moments, as with 
20 to go. You had Oriole Servia leading, and then they had the uh, the final caution for the crash by Canaan and Servia trying to make it out of fuel. And then Stefan Wilson, the brother of Justin Wilson, taking the lead with seven to go. And I was just sitting there in disbelief, like, really? Ste- I mean, it would have been great to see him win it, but are you kidding me? Of all the out-there names to possibly run the race, Stefan Wilson leading with five to go, but unfortunately... Uh, and also Jack Harvey was up there too right at the end uh, trying to stretch it on fuel, but this time they could not get the luck that Alexander Rossi had and had to pull off uh, to make a stop. I thought Wilson was going to go a little bit further. I was kind of surprised when he pulled off with five to go. I thought maybe he'd try and stretch it till it ran dry or, or maybe try and get it down to two to go, just maybe upon maybe hoping for one last caution. And there was a, a good write-up uh, from, from Jim Aiello at the Indianapolis Star this week kind of talking about Stefan and uh, he had some quotes for him, just hoping there would be, you know, one more caution, so maybe he could he could hang on and, and be able to win it. Unfortunately, that would not be the case. But I was still surprised when he pulled off with five to go. But Wilson pulls off, and that allows Power to claim the lead and win his first Indianapolis 500, and cementing his status now as a an all time great, really, in Indy car racing. I mean, there before he won the championship, there was a lot of people would say, you know, had a lot of maybe yeah buts about power and, and his status despite all of his wins. But after those three runner finishes in the points and he's getting that first championship finally, uh, and now an Indianapolis 500 win. And now it's, it's I think he's set for life now when it comes to uh, being na- named on the list of all-time greats uh, when it comes to, you know, IndyCar, Champ Car, IRL racing for this generation. Uh, Will Power is up there. As uh, one of the all-time greats, you know, with the like he and Scott Dixon, the old rivals, the 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 best rivalry in the sport here in the last decade or so. Those two guys, uh, definitely the best of their generation, uh, you know, along with uh, the Castro Nevises and Montoyas, and uh, you know, even even you know, you could throw the Paginos and the New Gardens on that list. Um, the best of the best in IndyCar racing, and he finally now adds his name to the Borg Warner Trophy. And gets a win, and a guy that started off being known for being a road course ace and didn't have the skills on the oval track, finally developing uh, those skills as he continued to win races in the, on the IndyCar circuit. And uh, now he's won the biggest oval race and the biggest race from all the Indianapolis 500. So congrats to Will Power. Uh, how about this? Taking over $2.5 million. I mean, NASCAR doesn't post purses anymore, so we don't know what guys win anymore these days for the Daytona 500. But IndyCar, it's right on the, the box score. $2.5 million for winning the Indianapolis 500 for Will Power. And, of course, Roger Penske, I, what, what is it, I think 17 now, Indy 500 wins, adding another one to the old trophy case in his uh, 50th year. They What was it, their 200th IndyCar win earlier this year? What, what a... What a trophy case Mr. Penske has at the at the headquarters with uh, another Indy 500 win uh, to his credit. So uh, again, 803-0551-888-552-550. Again, definitely the race lacks some of the excitement we've seen in the last couple of races, but the the handling was definitely a suspect at times. A lot of guys and girls in Danica Patrick just losing the car. Uh, you know, especially uh, coming. Uh, I think it was off a. a Turn two or turn three was really one of the the slickest parts on the racetrack, and you saw quite a few drivers just just lose it. It wasn't a lot of uh, guys running into each other. Although the the James Davison Takuma Sato crash early, that was contact between two cars. But most of the accidents last Sunday were just single car incidents and guys just spinning out. And uh, a couple of guys, you know, the last one uh, did collect a few cars. 
but uh, just single car spins, but they hit the wall. And uh, I'll tell you what, despite all these spins and crashes, it was really, for the most part, a, a pretty safe month of May at Indianapolis when you look at it, compared to the last couple of years with Bourdais and his hip injury and, and of course, Hinch's uh, near-death crash and all the crashes we had that year with the cars flipping, flipping and everything. For the most part, a pretty safe month of May at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I thought that was really good. Uh, I did. I wanted to mention last Sunday, but I didn't want to jinx it. But uh, and I, you know, we had a couple of crash. We had a fair share of crashes on Sunday in the race, but still, uh, you know, no major injuries from what I could tell. And uh, definitely a much safer month of May compared to a couple last couple of years when we've had some scary wrecks and some injuries with some top drivers. And it seemed like everybody uh, got out of the month. Uh, uninjured thank goodness and a pretty safe month of may despite some pretty hard hits in in the race itself but there wasn't a a lot of big practice or or qualifying crashes Uh, you know maybe the wiccans crash the one that maybe stands out um but for all in all a pretty safe month of may when you compare it to maybe the last couple other ones again 803-0551-888-552-550 and i mean this this is this part of the indycar schedule is the wildest swing i mean you look at Yesterday, or not yesterday, last week in Indianapolis, and now you've got this weekend at Detroit. You've got a double points race in the Indianapolis 500, and you've got two races back-to-back here this weekend in Detroit. So it's a four-race swing virtually within the span of a week, and it really you know, can shape the IndyCar, schedule, IndyCar standings. Uh, you you know, make out pretty well in these three races, and you could be set up for a championship. And if you falter... Uh, you're going to be scrambling the rest of the year. I mean, they still have half the season to go, but this is a huge st- stretch of uh, this. The seven-day stretch for IndyCar is huge, and they had the the first half of the doubleheader yesterday, and uh, Scott Dixon on a uh, two pit stop pit stop strategy, uh, beating uh, Ryan Hunter Ray for the win yesterday at Belle Isle in Detroit. It was Dixon over Hunter Ray, and then Rossi. Another great day for Alexander Rossi. Another top five finish, finishing third. Marco Andre started on the pole. He also tried to do the two-stop strategy with Dixon, but came home fourth. Takuma Sato bouncing back from his bad day at Indianapolis, finishing fifth. Then you had Ed Jones, Power finishing seventh. Robert Wickens, New Garden, and Spencer Piggott rounding out the top ten. James Hinchcliffe finishing 11th. Not a day he wanted for if he wanted to maybe get back in uh, to have a shot still to run for the championship. Uh, not a good start to his weekend, finishing 11th. Uh, you had Bourdais in 13th, Tony Kanon 14th, Pagano 17th. Uh, Graham Rahal uh, crashed out of the incident and finished 23rd. Tough break for Graham after he swept both races in Detroit last year. Uh, this year finishing last in the first race. The second race coming up later today at 3.30, and they're doing qualifying right now, or they're about to get qualifying going there at, at Belle Isle. But I know there is a lot of weather right now in the Michigan area. But you look at the points now, just after yesterday, Alexander Rossi is the points leader. He holds a four-point lead over Dixon. A seven-point lead over Will Power, and then you've got uh, New Gardens twenty-one back. Hunter Ray's about uh, mental math, not good. Forty-nine, and Wickens uh, is seventy-four back, and then you've got Ray Hall, Bourdais, Andretti, Pagano in tenth, and Hinchcliffe all the way back in eleventh. After maybe being a championship contender going in to the five hundred, failing to qualify for the race, and now eleventh place finish yesterday. Uh, for, for all intents and purposes, I think Hinchcliffe might be counted out here with the championship chase in IndyCar, but a good battle at the top of the standing still with three drivers separated by seven points, and then uh, you know, Newgarden and Hunter Ray still in, in shouting distance and still a half a season to go. But uh, again, 
the the guy I may be most impressive with. I was already impressed by Will Power. I knew how good he was, and everybody else did. Of course, I'm not saying that nobody, no one else didn't know, but uh, I was just ha- I I didn't need, I was I wasn't impre- impressed by Power winning as much as I was happy for him. Uh, just happy for him to get the win and, and get that box checked off on his resume, and now fully cementing his status as an all-time great in IndyCar. I'm, I'm, I was set with that. It's Rossi that has impressed me the most here, uh, not only with the 500, but just this season in general, uh, with his results picking up a, a win at Long Beach and uh, some great top five runs, and he's been in the hunt virtually every race this season in IndyCar. And uh, now, um, really, I mean, I hope he goes, and, and I'd like to see him win the championship this year and continue to be the face of the sport. I think he's a great talent. And uh, I would like, you know, like I said, just like to see him maybe be the uh, the face uh, of IndyCar going forward, especially as the Will Powers and Scott Dixon start to get older and maybe, you know, only running in IndyCar for a couple more years. Uh, but Rossi and New Garden, a couple of Americans, you know, to lead uh, IndyCar going forward into the next uh, generation of the sport, I guess you could say. Again, 803 one 888-550-2550. Again, just a uh, a phenomenal event. I mean, what more can you say about the Indianapolis 500? Just the, 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 they call it the greatest spectacle in racing, and it certainly is. And that was on display once again. Um, Jim Cornelison has, you know, how do you replace Jim Neighbors singing back home again in Indiana? But Jim Cornelison now his last couple of years, he has nailed it. And uh, I, he's definitely picked up in the memory of Mr. Neighbors, uh, but just the, the 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 pageantry of everything and the uh, just the great event that it is. And again, as I said last week, definitely uh, on my bucket list uh, leads it of racing events I want to go to. Uh, but a, a great, just a, a great event overall, and it was a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, as always, with the Indianapolis 500. Again, 803-0551-888-550-2550. Hit us up on Twitter, at uh, FastTrack550. Um, coming up, we'll talk to uh, Woody Kane, of course, from the Motor Racing Network as NASCAR. Uh, coming up this afternoon here on WGR, we'll have the race uh, from Pocono, uh, the Pocono 400 from the Pocono Raceway, and uh, we'll be talking to Woody Kane about that. Uh, coming up uh, in about 15 minutes or so here on the program. Uh, NHRA also in action this weekend. And uh, how about John Force? Uh, we, we've talked about a couple of times. John Force has had some, uh, although typical of funny car or drag racing, uh, still some fiery crashes uh, this year. He had two early this year, and uh, he's had a third one this weekend during qualifying uh, at Chicago, at the, uh, the Route 66 raceway out there in Chicago. But just... Uh, it seems like it's been a trend for John Force at you know well over sixty years of age, um, the sixteen-time champion. It's amazing he can keep it going with all these big hits. I mean, he's not getting injured in these large explosions and everything, but uh, still, uh, you have to to wonder. Uh, I don't know if it if it's anything he might be doing wrong, but just uh, eventually some of these hits on a man of his age. If it uh, can endanger his future in the sport as a driver, at least, of course, he'll still be a car owner, you know, with his uh, family's operation there. But uh, Force has taken some some big, big uh, hits and, and gone through some big explosions this year already on the NHRA circuit. Three of those, at least, that uh, I can remember off the top of my head over there, uh, including the one this weekend in Chicago. But uh, 
Steve Torrance, the top qualifier in top fuel there at Chicago. Uh, Matt Hagan was top qualifier in funny car. Greg Anderson in pro stock. Andrew Hines, the number one qualifier um, for the uh, the pro stock motorcycle division there this weekend at the Route 66 Nationals. But force, I mean, there's always this talk about, you know, our race car drivers, athletes, and, you know, you... you you like to stick up for your sports. So, yeah, they're athletes. I mean, these guys wheel cars for 500, 600 miles as it comes to stock car racing or indie car racing and drag racing. Although they're in the, they're only racing the car for maybe three to five seconds. They're doing it at speeds of 250, 300 miles an hour. But there, I think there has to be a limit when you have guys the age of John Force or you know seeing Morgan Shepard continue to try to qualify for races. Uh, in the Xfinity series at over 70 years of age, um, it, it, it makes the argument a little bit harder when you have guys like that still out there racing. I mean, yeah, Force is this, he, it's Force is still having success, whereas Morgan Shepard is you know still is failing to qualify and doing it on lesser equipment. But I think there, it, it's again, it just takes away from the argument when you have guys that are, are probably true athletes, you know. Someone like Jimmy Johnson that not only is a heck of a race car driver, but he also go hop on the bicycle and pedal 50 miles, something I could never do. I mean, him, uh, Carl Edwards, of course, known for his for, for being uh, quite a physical specimen. I mean, the top drivers in the sport, yes, they are athletes, but it, it's hard to say that they're all great athletes when you have some, some of these outliers uh, out there in this day and age. Um, but I, I think it might be time, not that he's performing that poorly, but just for his maybe his own health and, and well-being going forward, it would just, uh, you know, might be time for Force to maybe start thinking about retirement as he's just had uh, a lot of these incidents this year alone. And, 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 you know, if they're just mechanical and they're, they're you know, and then it's bad luck, then so be it. But, you know, I think... You know, at the, his stage, I, I, he's not—he doesn't have the body of a, a even a forty-year-old or a thirty-year-old. Uh, you know, he just could be more susceptible to injury at, at this stage of his life with some of these uh, fiery explosion crashes that we've seen him in with that funny car uh, so far this year. But that was so. That was just something else that was kind of something that came up this weekend, and I just wanted to, to find a way to squeeze it in here to today's show. But uh, just something we've been kind of—I've been kind of following this year just seeing the results out of the NHRA this season and just seeing these repeated big explosions for John Force as much as he is a great personality for the sport and everything um it's just uh it, it I just don't want to see anything very really you know see him get hurt badly if uh, these keep happening and, and and who knows you know if he's able to walk away from all these incidents but what damage could it be doing to his body and uh you know and how many times he can be so lucky to escape these incidents uh, that have uh, seen so many that have happened to him this year. So I uh, just wanted to squeeze that in there. Uh, 803-0551, 888-552-550. Again, thoughts on the Indianapolis 500 and Will Power or uh, thoughts on uh, Alexander Rossi. Again, uh, just very impressed with that young man with uh, the season he's having this year in IndyCar and the possibility of him le- leading the championship well he is leading the championship the possibility of him winning the championship this year in indycar uh nascar coming up here we're going to talk to woody kane from the motor racing network and uh, look back at the coke 600 and look ahead to today's race of pocono we get back here on fast track on wgr this is kyle bush driving the number 18 m&m's toyota you're listening to wgr sports radio 550 kyle bush another win 
in the Cup Series, and he added one this week in the Xfinity Series as he gets closer to 200 career wins in the three major NASCAR series. Yes, I know it's different than Richard Petty's 200 Cup wins, but still, it'll be an amazing feat once Kyle gets there. Uh, 11.31 here on WGR Sports Radio 550, Dave Buchanan and WGR's Fast Track. Uh, qualifying is wrapped up in Detroit for race two of the uh, duel in Detroit for the IndyCar series. And hey, surprise, surprise, Alexander Rossi is on the pole for the race today. He and his uh, oh old friend there, Robert Wickens, they will share the front row for today's race. Rossi and Wickens on the front row. Will Power roll off third, then Ed Jones, Scott Dixon, James Hinchcliffe, Zach Veach, Simon Pagino, Graham Rahal, and Ryan Hunter Ray will be your top ten starters for the second half of the duel at Detroit. Uh, you know what, Rossi, the, the paint scheme on his car, he doesn't have that the familiar yellow and blue Napa scheme. He's got this like green and blue thing, and it, it just kind of looks like I don't, I can't remember the exact team. It was like Benetton or Renault, but the 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 Formula One cars from the 1990s, maybe like one of the ones Michael Schumacher first drove. I, that's what I think of when I see uh, Rossi's car this weekend with this blue and green paint scheme. It reminds me of a, a 1990s Formula One car. But uh, there you go. Rossi is on the pole, the points leader. Uh, he will lead him to green. Uh, that race is at, I think, 3.30 this afternoon uh, over on ABC, which is the final uh, broadcast, IndyCar broadcast, on ABC till at least 2022 when the uh, new IndyCar TV deal expires as, again, NBC uh, and NBCSN will hold the uh, complete full-season rights to the IndyCar series for television starting next season, including Indianapolis 500, as we talked about you know last week. That being the final Indy 500 on ABC, ending that long run. Uh, looking forward to uh, NBC picking up the coverage next year. But today is their uh, last uh, broadcast uh, of IndyCar racing uh, with uh, Alan Beswick uh, leading the call there from Detroit. Uh, shift gears over to NASCAR. And again, uh, last week, Kyle Busch picking up the win, 300, leading 377 out of the 400 laps. Another dominated Coke 600, much like what Martin Truex did a couple of years ago. So, uh, yeah, the racing at Charlotte, again, continues to be a struggle uh, in the traditional aero package. But good news is that the uh, aero package we saw at the All-Star race, that might be actually coming home to or coming to a points race in NASCAR later this season. I thought it wouldn't be till 2019, but instead uh, we could see it. Uh, later this year, it, in some of the races this fall, Indianapolis or a couple of the uh, mile and a half chase races, there's a good possibility of that happening, at least from what people, including Steve O'Donnell from NASCAR, have said. So uh, hopefully this will be the last uh, super boring Coke 600 where one guy can lead almost the entire race. Uh, as Kyle Busch, again, leading 377 to 400, picking up the win over Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin finishing third, Brad Keselowski fourth, Jimmy Johnson, a decent finish for Jimmy in a, as the year of uh, the Chevy cars and the Hendrick cars struggling. He finished fifth, Jamie McMurray there, another Chevy finishing sixth, and Kyle Larson. Then Kurt Busch, Alex Boatman, nice run for him, and Ricky Stenhouse round out the top ten finishers in the Coke 600 last week. Uh, Chase Elliott finishing 11th, Clint Boyer 12th, uh, Daniel Suarez placing fifth. 15th, and then you had uh, Eric Jones in 19th, Joey Logano in 22nd, um, and uh, that'll kind of, yeah, that kind of do it. Um, William Byron uh, crashing out, he finished uh, 39th, and Kevin Harvick crashing out, uh, finishing 40th. I guess that, there you go, there's a notable name, almost missed that, as uh, Harvick uh, slapping the wall early on, just 83 laps in, getting knocked out, and uh, the his uh, run to get a 6 win, unfortunately, not happening for Harvick last weekend at Charlotte as he crashed out of the race. But, uh, you know, just a typical Kyle Busch uh, just 
kind of running roughshod over the field. Not much to really take away from the race uh, with uh, Bush getting the win. You know, Truex, uh, just the, the, the usual faces up front with uh, the Toyotas right there, and then you had the Fords. But good to see the Chevys, you know, getting three, uh, three, four Chevys in the top ten. Uh, they have struggled, but maybe better days are ahead. You know, Jamie McMurray said a few things, saying that maybe they're starting to turn a corner. We'll we'll see, and we'll talk more about that right now with uh, one of the voices here on the broadcast of today's Pocono 400 here on WGR. Woody Kane from the Motor Racing Network joins us. Woody, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing fantastic, sir. How about yourself? How are things looking today in the uh, mountains of Pennsylvania? Well, don't be shocked, but it's a little overcast, a little breezy, and uh, trying to get up near 60 degrees. Traditional Pocono weather, right? <laughs> it's always it's always a crapshoot, the weather, when you go to Pocono. It could be gorgeous, or it could just be raining all weekend. You can never you never get a happy medium out there. That's right. It seems that way, anyhow. Well, Woody, uh, yeah, let's go. I was talking about last week's race at Charlotte, the Coke 600, and uh, Kyle Busch. What can, you, what can you say that hasn't been said, but getting a race, a win now, at every uh, track on the Cup Series schedule. What an accomplishment as Kyle continues to just you know rack up these uh, accomplishments throughout his career, whether it be championships or race wins, but what a feat to say that he's won now at, at every track on the Cup circuit. Yeah, and did it in convincing fashion. I mean, he flogged the field in the 600. He uh, led all but, I think, 23 laps and uh, was just uh, just a dominant performance. And as soon as uh, the stats people started to say, hey, he's won at every track now, uh, of course, the naysayers came on and said, oh, wait a minute, he hasn't won at the Charlotte Roval yet, <laughs> but neither has anybody else. Nobody's <laughs> there yet. So uh, he does have that distinction, and he is uh, coming uh, into his own, he and Kevin Harvick. And, you know, Harvick only has two more tracks to go, I think Pocono here and then uh, Kentucky, mm-hmm. once he hasn't won at yet. So we could have two guys with that distinction very shortly. Halfway through the regular season, Woody, are, are you surprised that two drivers have combined to win nine of the first 13 races this year? I don't know if if it's – it is a little bit surprising just from a stats standpoint, but mm-hmm. guys have been very good, and not just this year, for the past several years. And Martin Truex Jr. is, is right there again. Those guys, all three of them, one, two, three, in, in final practice, of course, and you look at them as, as the ones who – uh, are likely to be uh, in contention at the end of this thing. Uh, I don't think Truex is performing quite as well as he was a year ago when he won the championship, but they're not far off, and they've still got time to make that up. They do have a win under their belt, and we haven't seen a season yet where we had you know, 16 different winners uh, where guys could get bumped with a win. So he is all but locked into the playoffs, and I think they'll be just fine by the time we get to the playoffs and then get back to Homestead again. So those those guys have been dominant. There are some other guys, of course, you know, knocking on the door. When Kevin Harvick wins, Kyle Busch and, and Martin Truex, it seems like, are, are right there and, and vice versa. You've got Clint Boyer with a win. You've got Joey Logano also with a victory. So there are some other guys who still have plenty of time to get hot and, and get, get their ship righted before we get to the playoffs. The big thing is, can Chevrolet turn it around before we get to that point? I think they're making some gains to – the Chip Ganassi cars, Kyle Larson and, and and Jamie McMurray have been solid all season long, and it seems like Larson especially came out of the gate uh, a little bit ahead of his uh, Chevrolet teammates, if you will. Uh, Alex Bowman has been showing some speed of late. Jamie McMurray's been pretty good as well. But can anybody turn that around and get into, uh, let's say, championship form by the time we get to the end of the season? We won't know till we get there, of course, but remember last year when Toyota came in with their new uh, Camry, 
it took about half the season before they mm-hmm. winning a lot of races and becoming uh, you know, a dominant force in the in the season as well. Yeah, you mentioned the playoff standings. I mean, and traditionally, Woody, it seems like when we come out of Charlotte and head into the summer months, there's not a whole lot of movement in the standings when you from guys that are in the playoffs, you know, coming out of this race versus the guys on the outside. There's not a whole lot of movement, and if you're in a playoff spot at this point, you're sitting pretty, even though it was still 13 races to go. Um, I don't, I don't know if you agree with with that, but I mean, is there? I mean, you look at some of the names on the outside looking in right now. Um, you know, Stenhouse, Suarez, Dil, uh, not Dylan, he won the Daytona 500, but uh, Jamie McMurray, Ryan Newman, Bubba Wallace. I mean, is there anybody on the outside looking in that really has a shot? You think to work their way into a playoff spot in these next 13 races? Well, I think if you look at Stenhouse, for example, they are running a little bit better than they were at, at the other tracks last year. Mm. Still got two restrictor plate races to come, so he could cross one off the list. J- a list. Jamie McMurray is very good at restrictor plates as well. He could very well get in. And then when we get to uh, the road course season, if you will, all bets are off because yeah. really good guys like an A.J. Allmendinger who could surprise and get a playoff spot like he did a couple of years ago there by winning at a road course so I think there could be some movement but historically you're right we don't see a lot of shifting at this point but I bet if you asked any of those guys right around let's say 13th through 18th or so they would all say nope we're not comfortable yet we got to do better uh, one one correction. Actually, Stenhouse is tied in points with Chase Elliott. They're both tied for 15th uh, because Austin Dillon, with a win, but is outside the top 16. He would be the 16th driver in the playoff field. So, really, Stenhouse and Elliott kind of tied for that final playoff spot going into today's race at Pocono. But uh, Elliott has the uh, the tiebreaker. But uh, let's turn our attention to today's race. Woody there at Pocono. And, and Ryan Blaney, uh, young man now driving for Penske this year, the defending race winner. And uh, shows his muscle in qualifying by winning the pole for today's race. What do you think of Ryan's chances of maybe uh, going back-to-back here at the Tricky Triangle? He's another guy who feels like he's right there in terms of breaking through for a victory this year. And as you said, he got the first one at Pocono last year. Of course, that was with the Wood Brothers and Mm. uh, all the history that goes with that and got that win. I talked with his crew chief, Jeremy Bullins, last week uh, about remembering that moment. And he laughed and said, you know, the funny thing was we had – radio issues for the latter stage of that race and and we couldn't hear ryan and i told him maybe we should make that a a thing going forward where (laughs) we can't hear him he does well he's kidding of course but i mean they're right there they're very good as well all those penske cars are very good and he could you know winning the poll shows he's got speed but uh strategy is certainly going to come into play today with with this track as big as it is with pit stops being what they are temperatures are going to be cooler than what they practiced in so that will be that's why crew chiefs get the big bucks, right? All the mm-hmm. people get thrown at them on race day, and they have to try and figure it out. But he's definitely a guy you got to keep an eye on. And you mentioned Chase Elliott earlier. He's been very good at Pocono and hasn't quite broken through either. Remember how uh, disappointed he was when he felt like he had it in his in his hand and let it slip away uh, like three, four races ago at Pocono? Yeah. So I think he's going to be a guy who's very good as well and uh, one to keep an eye on in terms of getting a win this year, maybe here at Pocono, and being in contention for the rest of the season. Woody Kane from the Motor Racing Network joining us here on WGR's Fast Track. Uh, it's been a while, but Denny Hamlin does have four wins at Pocono, including the the great his rookie season, of course, when he won both races in 2006. But he hasn't won one since 2010, and uh, you know starts the race in tenth today. What do you think about Denny's chances this afternoon? He's another one who's been very good and could easily break through at any moment, uh, especially at a place where he does have some some victories. Denny's issue has been. 
pit road struggles, whether it's him speeding or, or some other miscue, they've, they've not been able to avoid some mistakes that have knocked them out of contention when they could have won a couple of times this year. I think probably they, they could have gone to victory lane, but if they can get that straightened out, I think they are definitely a factor to contend with, a force to be reckoned with as they move forward, and especially today. Denny has been very good. They've just got to avoid those mistakes, and he's always one of those guys who's right there in contention, and I don't think today will be any different with him. You look at him in the standings, and points-wise, he's tied with Kurt Busch for sixth, so he's in solid position right now. But again, you know how race car drivers are. If you ask any of them, they will say if they don't have a victory, they don't feel comfortable yet. But I think he is going to be in victory lane by the time we – we get down to the end of the regular season. That, that's become the joke on social media. Death taxes and Denny Hamlin speeding on pit roads. Three things that seem inevitable. Yeah, it was pretty funny, too, when they when they qualified for the All-Star race. You know, they come down full speed, and they never do that anymore like they did back in the day. And right. Sure enough, even with the new package, here comes Denny down full bore and slides on through. And, <laughs> well, even with the new this new system, he, uh, he can't avoid the pit road problems. But I think they'll be fine. They've got... Uh, a quality team, fast cars, and uh, if you've got all that, a little bit of luck sooner or later seems to seems to come your way. I really think the big thing today is going to be the different strategies that we'll see with a fuel window being roughly 34, 35 laps and the stages, especially the first two, being 50 laps and that final one being 60. You're going to see some different strategy cards played out because at Pocono you can pit without losing a lap on mm-hmm. the screen. Now, granted, the pit stops are slower than they've been in the past few years because of one fewer man over the wall, mm. but I still think you can do that if you're within X seconds of the leader and not lose a lap. We saw Justin Allgaier try it in the Xfinity race yesterday. It didn't pay off when he got tangled up in a in a wreck, but I think you're going to see uh, the, the range of options that teams and crew chiefs have open up at a big track like Pocono where they can play that card and, you know, short pit before the end of a stage to come out in front beginning the next stage, and I think that's something that's going to be significant today. Who plays that strategy card the best and who has that winning hand when they when they go to play their strategy? Now, as we've seen, uh, caution at the wrong time can throw all that out the window, but I think you're going to see some guys uh, really trying to play strategy cards today. Uh, before we let you go, Woody, what can we look forward to on the pre-race coming up here at 1 o'clock? Well, you mentioned uh, Ryan Blaney, and Kim Kuhn has a, a one-on-one sit-down with, with Ryan, and uh, don't be shocked, but they're going to talk a little Star Wars, <laughs> a little uh, a little uh, Pocono from a year ago when he won, and how that has uh, changed things for him. It's been kind of a whirlwind, as, as Blaney is one of the guys who everybody looks at as one of the up-and-coming stars in the sport, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll also, of course, hear from a ton of drivers on the grid. We'll have, uh, you know, Rusty Wallace, the NASCAR Hall of Famer, is going to be on hand to tell us what he thinks will be keys to the race today. So a full pre-race show coming up, and it's going to be a lot of fun. What do you appreciate the time? I know it's a busy race morning for you. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be looking forward to hearing more from you later today along with the rest of your MRN colleagues right here on WGR. You bet. Thanks a lot. All right, Woody Kane from the Motor Racing Network, and they'll have live flag-to-fly coverage of the Pocono 400 coming up this afternoon here on WGR Sports Radio 550. We get back, we'll wrap up this edition of Fast Track with our usual local racing roundup, but still time to squeeze in a phone call to 803-0550-1888-552-550. We wrap up this edition of Fast Track next here on WGR. Let's find out who visited Victory Lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's Fast Track. And we'll start with the 
Friday night action over at the Ransomville Speedway. The Patriots sprint cars were in town, and surprise, surprise, the Cobra Chuck keeping picking up the win. That man can wheel a sprint car like nobody else around here in 360s. Uh, Kevin Wills got the win in the Sportsman. Kenny Kamich got the street stock win. Cole Susie in the Four Bangers. Cody Wolf got the win in the uh, Novice Sportsman. Lancaster Dragway Friday night. Rachel Jewell getting the Buffalo Street Outlaws win. Chris Scarlotta in... Street Outlaw Limited Street, Top 8 Eliminator, Wayne Cleveland, Dale Eckerd in Top ET, Fast Eddie Semlich got the win in Mod ET, Mike Nearhoof in Bikes and Sleds, and Matt Hughes got the win in Street. Uh, Saturday Night Action and stay at Lancaster. The International Super Modified Association put on a great show last night in front of a great crowd. Mark Samet from London, Ontario got the win, making a uh, late race pass on Mike Muldoon and holding off Dave Schulich to get the win. Uh, Andy Crying got the Street Stock victory. Darren Dryden in the Can-Am TQ Midgets. And Kevin Bainbridge got the win in the four cylinders last night at Lancaster Genesee Speedway on uh, Saturday night. Jason Jenko got the win in the Rush Crate Late Model event there. Uh, Dave Dubois in the 360 Late Models. Dennis Cumming in the, in the Street Stocks. Eric Weiss in the Mini Stocks. Bailey Logsdon in the Bandits. Actually, I missed one from Friday night. Holland Speedway. Uh, getting this off a message board because I didn't get a press release, but Sam Fallone and Neil Dietz split the sportsman features. Nick Welshins winning the street stock feature, Bob Palmer in the four cylinders, and Marty Hughes getting the win uh, in the figure eights at Holland on Friday night there at the at Holland Speedway. Uh, Wyoming County International Speedway got their press release in time, just in time, in fact. Jacob Gustafson won the four-cylinder race. He ran the uh, short track nationals at Bristol a couple of weeks ago. Zach Myers in the super stocks and the rocket man, Ricky Knapp, Picking up the uh, SST Modified win. They had 20 uh, Sportsman SST Modifieds there last night at uh, Wyoming County. Good show for them. Uh, but the Rocket Man Ricky Knapp picking up the win there. That's uh, that's all the results I got. And Oh, actually, take that back. That's not all the results in my inbox. Merrittville Speedway last night. Uh, Matt Williamson, another win. I think that's eight on the year for Matt all uh, overall. Uh, just getting uh, Gary Lindbergh on the final lap. Adam Leslie, another Sportsman win. Rob Murray in the Hoosier Stocks. That's three in a row for Rob. Mod Lights, Brent Bigelow, Alex Riley, Mini Stocks, Adam Plazic getting the win in the six cylinders. Uh, as of right now, Humberstone is still on, but uh, there's some weather in the area. They're going to make a call on their show at about 1.30 this afternoon if they're going to go uh, tonight. Uh, coming up, some great racing. Uh, Thursday night, you've got your choices. You've got Lancaster Speedway on asphalt running Thursday night with uh, their three home track divisions, including the Sportsman, Street Stocks, and Four Cylinders. And Genesee Speedway also has a show on Thursday night, if you're looking for some dirt action on Thursday, uh, they've got a show on the Thursday, as I just said, and that is with the uh, Grit Sportsman Tour. They'll be on hand. So both of those shows start on Thursday if you're looking for something to do. And Saturday night, next Saturday, one of the, the best races of the year, uh, the Race of Champions Modified Series making their first visit of the year to the Lake Erie Speedway, plus late models back at Lake Erie. That'll be great. I miss the old late model days when I worked there uh, about a decade ago. But uh, that should be a good show uh, next Saturday night. Real quick, though, before we go, I talked about John Force at 69 years of age and the hit he took. Well, they talked to John after the crash, and he had some very uh, impassioned comments on uh, after that incident. So here's John Force from earlier this weekend. Monster. My job, PPG, is to go out there and win. And I thought I turned it around this week, and it blew the tires off. I, I thought it broke an axle. It made such a right turn on me. Uh, but it'll do that when it strikes a tire. It made me ride. It put me into the wall, and I got it off the wall, and then it, the body must have went down on the front tire because it sucked me into the wall like three times. Boom, boom, it kept hitting my shoulder. 
Uh, all the work we did in safety with the head padding in the last few weeks from a couple of those crashes, that really worked because I slammed, you know, roll cage twice, but I was good. But it was my shoulder, I got hit. I'm going to have it take to look at, it, you know, my collarbone because it hit me like three times. Then it took off. It took off again, but I reached right out and pulled the fuel shut off and shut it off. So I know my safety stuff. It's just um, this race car will not ever beat me. You understand? It's my best friend, and it ain't treating me right. But you got to take care of it. you got to get it right. And I will never give up on it until it kills me. And that's a God's truth. There's John Force from this weekend after his at least third pretty scary uh, crash of the season in NHRA. And there is a man that is not going to listen to what I said in the opening segment of this show, and he is not going to step out of the car, even at 69 years of age, even after he thinks he may have a shoulder or collarbone injury. Uh, you heard him. It's, he's going to stay in that thing until it kills him, apparently. But that's that's typical John Force. I mean, he backs it up. He walks the walk, and he talks the talks, and he has for years, and that's why he's a 16-time champion. But at his age, I mean, listen to what he... With all the, despite all the safety, still getting that shoulder banged up and everything, you know, I, I would, I don't want to see him get killed in the race car. So hopefully it doesn't come to that, and he, he'll, you know, live till 115, which he could, I bet, because um, he's that type of guy. But there you go, there you go. I just wanted to get that in. I saw that during the last break, and it was went right along with what I said earlier. So I wanted to get that in. So thank you very much. Uh, that will do it for this week's show. Maybe we'll try and talk more about that next week. Uh, if you want to, if you're interested in that discussion, please hit me up on social media during the week, and maybe we can bring up this topic again next week with uh, Force and his future and drivers and athletes and everything that some of that stuff that kind of I kind of rambled on about in the first segment. Maybe we'll talk more about that next week. Uh, if not, enjoy the race today, both races of Pocono and Detroit, and we'll talk to you next week here on WGR. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.